how powerful would that be if our members just felt comfortable engaging in those types of like values and stories-based conversations? I would see that as transformative, transformative yeah. to our whole state. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the 285th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, regenerative agriculture, regional food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Let's face it, it's never easy to have a conversation with someone you disagree with. And in today's environment of supercharged rhetoric and us-versus-them one-upmanship, such discussions can quickly devolve into arguments where all sides just dig in deeper than ever convinced that their point of view is the only way to see things, and shutting off any hope of finding common ground that can serve as a basis for attacking the big problems of the day. Conversations based on something called deep canvassing offer a way to go beyond the shouting, lawn signs, and social media posts, and to find out what foundational beliefs we share. Deep canvassing is a system of candid, non-judgmental, two-way conversations where canvassers ask voters to share their emotionally significant experiences and reflect on them aloud. These conversations are based on sharing stories that provide insights into what values really drive us in our everyday lives. It's one of the most durable and proven forms of persuasion when talking to people who might hold differing beliefs from you. Deep canvassing is not about debating someone over a hot-button issue or overwhelming your so-called opponent with facts to make a point. And after a successful deep canvassing conversation, the folks involved may still not see eye-to-eye on many issues. But hopefully, they'll come out of the experience with a deeper understanding of each other's belief systems, motivations, and challenges, and that provides a key foundation for change. During the past year, the Land Stewardship Project has been working through its partner, the Land Stewardship Action Fund, to train members on deep canvassing. As a 501c3 nonprofit organization, we're limited in our ability to get involved with electoral work. However, over the years, our members have expressed a desire for us to identify and support candidates for elected and appointed offices who can help move our collective vision forward. So, in February 2018, the Land Stewardship Project Board of Directors created the Land Stewardship Action Fund, a 501c4 partner organization that can do political leadership development. They felt that such a partner was needed because they recognized the power that comes with being able to drive forward the mission and goals of LSP with an expanded set of political and electoral tools. LSAF came out of the realization that our members and leaders could no longer sit on the sidelines in the current political environment, but instead must proactively engage in elections so that we have a say in who is elected and representing us. Collectively, we need to make a bigger difference to advance our values of stewardship, justice, democracy, community, and health for people in the land. Part of doing that is identifying and supporting candidates who can help move us forward. Deep canvassing is increasingly becoming a key land stewardship tool for reaching out to voters and having those kinds of conversations that help them see how they can support their own values when heading into the voting booth. Organizers Emily Mengi and Amanda Kohler recently took a break from a series of deep canvas trainings they've been leading to talk to me about this technique and the potential it holds for bringing about change. Emily is a political organizer for LSP and the Land Stewardship Action Fund. Amanda is LSP's policy manager, who also organizes with the Land Stewardship Action Fund. Emily started our conversation describing exactly what deep canvassing is. So deep canvassing is like traditional canvassing. It's conversations with people. It comes in the form of door knocking or phone banking. But as it sounds, you know, deep canvassing, it means you're having longer, more in-depth, intentional conversations with the people that you're contacting. 
And these conversations are based on values and stories. So when you talk to someone, you are trying to connect over shared values, you're trying to identify what that person values, and you're also trying to get them to share a story. So you're doing very intent listening so that you can start to understand and identify parts of their story to try and recognize where their values lie and where there might be conflicts within their values and the ways that they might be voting or acting. Yeah, I would definitely add with traditional canvassing, getting people out to vote, talking to them on an issue, you know, your main goal is just to identify where they're at, a yes or no, a maybe, whereas deep canvassing, you're kind of working to service complexity and we offer a one to 10 scale for people to self-identify on to be able to do that and then talk through, you know, why is that the right number for you? And my favorite thing about it is really we're sharing a vulnerable story from us and eliciting a vulnerable story from them and then able to help them process the cognitive dissonance that they may be experiencing between, like Emily said, how their, what their values are, what their experiences are versus maybe how they show up um, at the ballot box or in talking to their neighbors or legislators or something like that. I was just going to add that the goal too that I think you were kind of touching on there, Amanda, is the goal of deep canvassing is actually move somebody. With traditional canvassing, like you said, it's about IDing them, whereas deep canvassing, the goal is to move them on an issue. We have so far done some deep canvassing on healthcare. So talking to voters about voting for candidates who will champion expanding public health care. You know, for example, passing the Minnesota Care buy-in. And I do remember one of our one of our members had a conversation with someone who said, you know, I, I'm not really interested in expanding public health care. I think he put himself around a three on the scale of one to 10, with 10 being like, yes, I'm fully with you. And then, you know, through the process of deep canvassing, he was able to share a story about kind of some of the costs that he faces with his daughter's um, medical needs and realized, you know, I actually would really benefit from this. And then based on identifying through their own story and the story of the canvasser, they moved, I think, two points up to about a five on the scale. So it's just an example of how people can move by even just like realizing how the impact would be for them or people that they care about. Yeah, I think that the target within deep canvassing is, you know, it's not people who are necessarily ones. I mean, it could be, but like if they're super opposed, they're completely not with us, it's going to be tougher to move them. And it, you know, it's ideally probably not people who are tens either. You know, you're looking for that mid-range, those, you know, threes to sevens or so where there's they're still kind of figuring out exactly where their their vote lies i think like the base of it too is everyone has a story so getting someone to recognize their own story too and then helping them realize like why voting in a certain way is in their best interest as well just like that person did and and that's what we've done so far as with healthcare. we are working on soil health as well um, but in the past, um, deep canvassing has been used for a variety of different issue areas. I was wondering, is there other groups that we work with or that we know of that have kind of used this successfully in, in some campaigns? Land Stewardship Project has been working particularly closely with People's Action, um, which is a national organization that really taught us how to do this and has been with us side by side through this whole process. Uh, in Minnesota, you know, a couple of our 
partners, Isaiah and Faith in Minnesota, have been doing deep canvassing, um, especially in southern Minnesota, around things like health care, things like child care. Child care. Yep. And then a partner of ours, Take Action Minnesota, is currently doing deep canvassing on um, honesty in education, on racial justice in education in greater Minnesota as well. Yeah, and I think with People's Action, too, they do a lot of training. Like, they do their own deep canvases, but they also really actively support organizations that are doing deep canvassing. So Amanda and I got trained in on deep canvassing through them on, like, training for trainers, and then one of their training staff actually came and trained our healthcare team directly on deep canvassing as well and has been walking us through this process of creating the script and kind of like going like working with our committee members as well to to engage in this so they're very hands-on and support and they've supported take actions work doing deep canvassing as well so um you know we're kind of connected to other organizations doing deep canvassing through this larger national network and i don't know exactly what organization started this but i think one of the big first examples of deep canvassing was the vote no marriage amendment for marriage equality in Minnesota. And that was one of the first times that deep canvassing was used on a large scale. Um, and it had a huge impact. It has been used in, in very powerful ways in Minnesota and beyond. What was, what's Lance Trucha Project's interest in this? We've got a long history of organizing. What was it about this that attracted us? I think we need to, and this is something that I feel like I've been saying to some people often recently, but like we need to change the water that we're swimming in. Like in our political system right now, the system's not working for us, it's not working for farmers, it's not working for the people of Minnesota. And and that's something I think the healthcare committee really recognized. You know, they've been we've had this healthcare committee very active, involved camp or committee and campaign for a while, and nothing's changing. And they were like, I don't want to go through another legislative session of continually talking to the same legislators, advocating for the same Minnesota care buy-in and not getting anything. So we need to actually change who's in power. And they were recognizing that, we've recognized that, and so came together to think, like, what actually changes those dynamics? You know, we've been telling people to vote for how long now? <laughs> voting, like, I love, I'm going to, huge proponent of voting. We should all vote. But we have been voting. It's a piece of the puzzle, but there's a lot more to the yeah, puzzle. And nothing's changed. So we need to actually start talking to voters and, like, almost change the way that we're voting too and change the way that we're engaging in our political systems and so I think seeing that and how I kind of visualize and describe LSP and LSAF to a lot of people is that you know like the political work is this like cherry on top it is a tool that we use to change who's in power so we can pass the policy that we need to support farmers and rural community members if you think of like the really old school food pyramid that nobody uses anymore like that's just up here and then it's the policy, and it's our programmatic work that's putting these practices on the land. Um, so this is a tool. It's a tool to change the water that we're swimming in and the political makeup. I would add, every single time I talk to someone, whether it's an LSP member on the phone or it's supporters at an event or I'm on their farm and having a conversation with them, I think it's really obvious that our communities feel really divided right now. And deep canvassing, even though it can be a little intimidating, is how we really dig in and have vulnerable conversations with people instead of ignoring each other based on what lawn signs people have out. 
there's a really good quote from the founder of People's Action, Gail Sincata, that said, we have found the enemy and it is not each other. And I think deep canvassing can really bridge that of understanding that we're all being exploited by the same systems and we're not each other's enemies. And I would say, you know, why deep canvassing for LSP as well is it really does, you know, like you said, it changes the water that we're swimming in, it changes the public narrative and when our communities are backing the policy solutions we need, like expanding public health care or investing in soil health, that will definitely change the actions that happen in the state capitol. We can send out mailers and do ads, but at the end of the day, that's not changing. It's interesting. I almost wonder if it's a product of our time in that maybe the old ways I shouldn't say old ways, but the tradition, the, the ways that we've organized in the past were adequate, but now with kind of the political landscape and, and, and that we do need to, those things that, it's a little bit, it reminds me a little bit of some farming methods that, for example, no-till is a good example. It worked to save soil under the old climate system that we had. When the climate changed, we had to, a, 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 Perfectly good conservation practice all of a sudden wasn't perfectly good anymore in this new climate environment we're in. And I wonder if that's the case a little bit with organizing. I think so. And I also think, like, I've seen some kind of, like, cyclical, like, things within organizing, too. Like, I do think that, you know, the traditional canvases such as IDing people, um, you know, door knocking, phone banking in, in the traditional way, but even mailers and ads, they're not reaching people in the ways that they used to. And, you know, I don't know what their effectiveness was even in the past, but I think um, there's this idea of the trusted messenger. And, you know, when you're deep canvassing, you are calling people you don't necessarily know, but you are forming a relationship and, and you're creating that connection. But I also think about something else that we've used that veers us a little bit, but is this idea of relational organizing too. And, and that's really about trusted messenger and having people that you know within your community talk with you and, and how powerful that can be by hearing about something from a trusted messenger, and it makes me think about how LSP has organized in the past was relational organizing. And maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't deep canvassing, but it was intentional values-based conversations too. And so that like this, some of this stuff is kind of coming around again and maybe more of like a formalized um, data-driven way. And we're trying to document some of this a little bit better and maybe target it in certain ways that we weren't before. But some of these like traditional ways of connecting with people, communicating, and organizing, I feel like are also kind of coming back around and getting yeah. more, more airtime. Yeah, I would say deep canvassing is almost going back to our roots, but in a refined way, yeah, exactly. because it's, it's similar to sitting down at someone's kitchen table with a cup of coffee. It's a, supposed to be a very non-judgmental conversation where we're trying to validate people's real fears, and a lot of that is just economic stress, yeah. honestly. And so just really listen and reflect back what people are saying and helping them process instead of you know, trying to deliver a message at them and yeah. tell them what to do. Yeah. Um, so how is the Land Stewardship Project and the Land Stewardship Action Fund implementing deep canvassing? Yeah, well, we're holding two trainings a month right now to train people in how to deep canvas. As of this recording, tonight, we're actually hosting another one um, that we're both excited about. And then we are going to be doing actual deep canvassing shifts in some communities, mostly in southeast Minnesota. 
um, around healthcare and soil health, especially driving folks to vote for champions for expanding public health care and investing in soil health. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the the bulk of it is, you know, getting people trained, hosting some deep canvases in the fall, um, but also thinking about, you know, how are we equipping people just to have these conversations in their own community too. So wanting right. it to get as many people trained in as possible, hoping that they can join us for one of our deep campuses in the fall, but then also saying like, these are skills that you can use on a daily basis when you're interacting with family, neighbors, friends. So I think a lot of people that come to our trainings honestly come because they're just intrigued by this concept. Mm -hmm. And you know, yes, we hope to, to get them hooked in and get them signed up for one of our deep campuses, but just allowing them to like explore what that kind of conversation looks like too. Do you think it's it's attractive to people who maybe would be a little intimidated by if if you say I'm going to train you to be an organizer, but this is a little bit more. Well, I know how to have a conversation. You know, I know how to have coffee. <laughs> it's really funny because I think most of our engaged members I would call organizers, but maybe that intimidates them. But the bread and butter of organizing is and probably always will be one-on-one -on -one conversations. I mean, that's how I, was, that's how I was trained. I don't know if I would ever change my mind. I think it really is. And so I think having these conversations is absolutely making someone an organizer. I think people, they know how to, you know, like you said, Brian, like they know how to have coffee, they know how to have a conversation, but people really are feeling, because of how polarized the world has become and the political climate, people have a lot of fear around these types of conversations but they also know how important they are. You know, when they're with their mm -hmm. family and someone makes a comment about something or like they can tell that they're not on the same page with, with others, they're really hungry to have those conversations, but there's a lot of fear around doing that and upsetting people and, you know, rocking the boat. Yeah. I feel the same way. So I think like there is definitely this hunger to understand like how to have those challenging conversations too. And I find it less intimidating personally because... It's about listening to the other person, reflecting back. It's not about debating someone. Mm -hmm. And when it's, when it's about debating someone, I, I don't know, that's when it devolves <laughs> usually, but when we're actually trying to understand each other's experiences and listen and reflect, you know, I haven't had an experience where that gets out of hand. You're honestly not even, I mean, you, you do say in the conversation, well, I would rate myself at this number and here's why, but you, you don't want to bring up facts. Like, that's pretty discouraged, um, and you aren't trying to, you know, sway them with, with your thoughts and opinions. It's just about telling stories. So how do you know when you've had a successful deep canvas conversation? That's a great question. Um, I mean, so the way that we measure it, there's a couple of, I guess, qualitative ways being do you, as a canvasser, feel like you made an emotional connection with this person? Did you, you know, complete the conversation with them? I kind of mentioned before, at the beginning of a, a deep canvassing conversation, the person identifies where they're at on a scale of 1 to 10. You know, a question might be, how, how likely are you, on a scale of 1 to 10, to vote for a candidate who will expand public health care. One being, I would never vote for a candidate who will expand public health care. Ten being, I would only vote for candidates who expand public health care. Then we go through the sharing stories, the processing cognitive dissonance, and then we actually return to that scale and they, they redo it. 
And so we can see just from the conversation how people change from the beginning of the conversation to the end on their own terms. Like they'll tell you, (laughs) you know, if the conversation impacted them essentially based on how they change on the scale. So far we have had 72 conversations with folks. We've had three phone banks based on, you know, our healthcare script and of the people who didn't start at a 10 because you can't really move them anywhere. We moved 58% of folks at least one point and 26% two points. Um, and generally I think the goal is to move about a third. So we kind of blew that out of the water. And these were folks, tell me more about these folks you were talking to. Like who, were these all members or were they, who were they? First um, two phone banks we did were members of LSP who are not part of our healthcare hot list in Minnesota outside of the Twin Cities. So people definitely familiar with us. Um, and then our third phone bank was was supporters. Mm-hmm. And they were the only middle. a like 20 to 60% likely to support that kind of policy. So we, we made the list a lot tougher. <laughs> yes. Which definitely showed in the conversations but people were still able to have connections. Um, and you will have tough conversations too. You know, that that's part of canvassing. But still we're able to make those conversations and move move some of the people they contacted. I haven't heard a story from any of our canvassers where someone, you know, sometimes they struggle to open someone up, but mm-hmm. no one was like completely against having a conversation uh-huh. by any means. No. If they did have a challenging conversation, it's because maybe that person was saying things that were challenging for the canvasser to hear, as opposed to that person being like not open to the conversation. Or rude or yeah. 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 I think it's part of the trusted messenger thing because when we're calling members and supporters, they know where you know, they know who we are. They yeah. know it's Land Stewardship Project calling them. And so I think there's automatically a little bit more comfort and feeling almost safe to open up a little bit. Yeah, and when we do the ones um, in the fall, we will be targeting then, you know, these specific districts in southern Minnesota that we've identified. So that will probably be, you know, with people outside of our base as well. And so those conversations will look different and, and we'll have to be ready to, you know, debrief and support the canvassers in that way. But knowing that that's where change is really going to happen is by contacting people that aren't already within um, kind of our fold. That's a super good point in that I would think that would be a real advantage to this, that you're starting out from, because that's something that we really, that people complain a lot about is we, we all lack a common base of beliefs to work from. With Land Stewardship Project, if you're in any way associated with, you must have some care for some of the some of stewardship of farmland. You must have, at least have something, you, you, you know. You, but yeah, you, that must really be helpful for something like this where you do have that kind of base to work from a little bit. One thing I'm really excited about is the policy team and the soil health programs team are partnering up right now to create a script around soil health so that we can be calling folks who are engaged in our soil health work um, and have a lot of those values, but 
aren't necessarily you know, politically involved or involved in our policy work and, and connect with them on those values that they clearly share with us mm-hmm. and then move them into a next step of, of action. And that's really yeah. what it is, is like we, when we create the script, what we're talking about with the team is what fears do people have? What do, they, what do people believe now? By the end of the conversation, how do we want them to take action and what, what do we want them to leave feeling? And that's really exciting. Is I'm, I just want people to feel hope <laughs> and feel like they have agency because I think right now it, it feels very hard to think you can make an individual impact with our political system in general. Mm-hmm. And I think too with you know the at least I know with the soil health deep canvassing like that's going to extend beyond the election too. That's mm-hmm. um, you know we're also trying to get people to understand why it's so important for them to be like politically engaged or just engaged in the policy work too. I think that's something that the whole organization has been working on is like, how do we make sure our members are integrated with all areas of work within the organization? Um, so just getting people who are involved in the soil health programmatic work to say like, I, I will advocate for this policy. I will, you know, step up to be involved in this campaign because I recognize why it's so important. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, getting people who are involved in policy to understand why it's so important to get involved in elections, you know, building that electoral political power throughout the year. I can imagine it could be so powerful in a lot of different areas of LSP's work. Factory farm fights are tough. I've been a part of a few. I've been a part of one where it was like the entire community (laughs) against the factory farm. And then I've been a part of one where it feels very, at least the voices that are out there feels very split and divisive. Mm -hmm. And I can just imagine being able to just sit down and talk with people or yeah. meet them at their doorstep and talk to them about a, like a factory farm proposal. That could make such a big difference. So I think this tool definitely can be used beyond yeah. elections. I mean, can you imagine if, like, not all, but, like, you know, 75% of our members were trained in on deep canvassing and just, like, felt comfortable having tough conversations? You know, not even to say, like, we have to have formal deep canvas programs for them to be in, but, like, could just go to their neighbor and be like, hey, let's sit down and talk. Let's have a conversation about this. How powerful would that be if our members just felt comfortable engaging in those types of like values and stories-based conversations? I would see that as transformative, transformative yeah. to our whole state. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this. We, we started out talking about the importance of voting and that that's not enough. But I was, real, was thinking maybe, it occurred to me that maybe part of the the positive impact of deep canvassing is just to convince people to not give up on the voting system. Because right. you get pretty cynical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I understand that. Like, yeah. I understand the cynicism completely. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of the conversations I've been having with people, it's like, why, why participate if they're not the people that we're electing in, in a lot of ways are kind of just being bench warmers on yeah. things that they care about because we're not electing the right people. <laughs> and I think that's, like, getting people to process that. It's like, you know, I don't say, like, voting doesn't work. Of course, like, voting does work, but we're not voting for the right people. And so it's, and you know, that is not party-specific. That's just across the board. We're not voting for the right people. And so, you know, how can we get people to recognize who is actually going to advocate for them if they right. get elected? Well, and then after voting, after elections, mm-hmm. the other main part that I think goes towards why voting isn't enough is we also have to hold those folks accountable. 
Yeah. And I've seen really incredible ways of our members holding elected officials accountable to win things that those elected officials weren't going to entertain to begin with. I mean, it's how we won soil health funding in, in 2021. Yeah. It's, you know, we, we, we organized enough that they couldn't ignore us. It's voting plus, I think, that accountability piece is, is important. For more on LSP's deep canvassing work and the Land Stewardship Action Fund, see the podcast page for Ear to the Ground number 285 at landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSB. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 